Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my Teach English in China podcast. Last episode, I gave you an overview of the modern China, and we explore the country's current economic development and the kind of living standard you could expect in most Chinese cities. This episode is part two of China overview. We'll cover some aspects of Chinese culture and conventions. Mainly those concerning your daily living here. I'll be discussing this with an American who has been here for ten years teaching English, and I think he's the right person to talk to on this topic. And his name is August. Hi, August. Hello, Ming. So, to you, what is the most prominent cultural difference between most Chinese people and Americans? I think the most prominent difference is that、uh, Chinese people tend to、uh, be more collectivist in the way that they、uh, do things, in the way that they、uh, identify themselves, compared to the individualist attitude that most Americans tend to have. Yeah. So、uh, when you first got here, what was the biggest cultural shock?、Um, Yeah. Well, the biggest culture shock that I can think of was、uh, when I came to China and I got my first teaching job. I remember、um, getting the job, and then the college that hired me said, "Well, you can start working tomorrow." And there was no. Uh, instruction as far as what I should do, or uh, any uh, help for me, it was just okay. Well, you're the teacher; you figure it out. And that seems to be a general、uh, practice—not everywhere, but the notion that、um, we things aren't planned in advance quite the same way that they are、uh, in the U.S. It's just if it gets arranged tomorrow or in a couple of days, then that's just when it's done. So,、uh, so it was. It seemed to be a little、uh, not well planned, but、uh, did it also seem to be somewhat disorganized? Well, compared to my experience in the U.S., yes, it, it did seem to be that way. Although it. it I will say that everything seems to still happen. It, sometimes it seems like everything、uh, is chaotic, and oh, this everything's being planned at the last minute. But、uh, at the end of the day, everything still seems to happen generally around the time and date that it's supposed to. So it just it seems to work here. You just have to be able to adapt to it. So I'm sure it was quite a surprise to you, and did it make you somewhat uncomfortable? Oh yes, definitely. I thought、um, there might be a little bit more、um, time in between、uh, getting a job and then having to begin, or a little bit of、uh, preparation or support、uh, for the, the teachers,、um, but it. It's just something that is a, was a shock at first, but you just gradually come to expect it. And when you expect 
that to happen, it, um, it's not a, as big of an issue. So do you remember how long it took you to get over this shock? Well, it, it took quite a while. I would say uh, anywhere from a year or more, several years. And I think that can just vary depending on one's personality. I'm someone that likes to know about things in advance, so perhaps it bothered me more than it would some people. And some people can just never get used to that. So what do you think helped you to get over it? Well, I read a lot of things online and noticed that it wasn't just me. So I think it's an important thing to remember that when something happens in a different culture, uh, that it's, it's not necessarily about you. It could just be the, the way that foreign people Okay, before the break, um, you were saying that uh, what really helped you to get over the cultural shock was to try to remind yourself that this is not personal. It's just the way Chinese do things, and uh, it's not meant to uh, hurt anybody or make it difficult for anybody. Uh, it, it's the same way for both Chinese uh, and foreigners, right? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, at first when I thought it was just me, then it could, it really bothered me. And I thought, why am I being treated this way? But of course, it, uh, that wasn't the situation. It was at first then I noticed, well, then that's from reading online and talking to other people that a lot of other foreigners uh, had had the same experiences. And, uh, yeah, and uh, furthermore, the, when I noticed the way Chinese people dealt with each other, it was pretty similar. So it wasn't as if I was being singled out. And that's, I think, what was the major source of uh, my irritation at first. So once I understood that that was just the way everybody did things, it didn't really bother me so much anymore. Yeah, I think it's crucial because there's a, a lot of other foreigners I've come across, and they were never able to um, get over this and therefore still pretty frustrated with everything being done here and that's not really good for their own well-being. Okay, so now I'd like to move on to the Chinese language. Mm, as everyone knows, China is a huge country and has a long history of human habitation. Therefore, as you can imagine, there have been many languages existing in this vast land. However, with the gradual push for using the Mandarin dialect, i.e. the China's official language, many small languages have been slowly dying out. And most places you go to nowadays in China, you would hear Mandarin, with various accents, of course, but uh, if you can speak Mandarin, you would be able to make yourself understood in just about every city in China. So in this episode, um, when we approach the Chinese language, we are referring to the Mandarin dialect. So August, have you tried to learn Mandarin and how much can you understand and speak now? Uh, yes, I've spent some time here and there studying, although not uh, particularly seriously. Um, so I think I would still be at a, a high beginner or low intermediate level. I can converse on some basic topics, 
um, and understand uh, simple things and pick out parts of uh, um, more advanced conversation. And I think my listening is a little bit better than my speaking. And, and it can read a few, probably four to 500 basic uh, characters, but um, uh, not put time into the writing at all, though. So how do you feel about learning the Chinese language in terms of uh, difficulty level? Well, the two major uh, uh, factors as far as difficulty, I think, are uh, as far as the writing system, the characters where you have to uh, memorize several thousand characters rather than an alphabet that makes reading particularly uh, daunting. Um, and uh, for speaking and listening, the, the fact that it's a tonal language and that's something that English and most uh, uh, European languages uh, don't have. So that adds another uh, layer of difficulty to uh, just the listening and speaking aspect. Yeah, Chinese language is definitely much more difficult to learn, I think, than, than a lot of languages like English, for instance. Um, but do you feel it's uh, necessary to learn some, at least? Well, I think it, it's helpful to learn some at least. I mean, I think it uh, uh, can be dangerous to be in a country where uh, most of the people don't speak your language and you speak very little to none of their language. If you just think of a potential emergency situation, how would you communicate uh, important information? So in terms of knowing some Chinese, uh, do you find that it's been helpful for you in your classroom as well as your daily life? Yes, I, I would say that it's helped me teach a little bit. I know there's differing uh, opinions about how much of the native language of the students one should use as a teacher, but I find that there's sometimes if there's a word or a concept that it would take uh, several minutes to explain in English and they might not understand the explanation. Um, sometimes if you know the Chinese word, uh, I think it, it might not be perfect, but it can help move the lesson along. So I think it, it does help. Um, and then it just helps uh, if there's ever any other uh, need for other factors uh, to communicate with uh, the students or staff in Chinese and when they are unable to communicate, the, express what they want to you in English. Yeah, also with your own experience of learning a foreign language, you get to understand the difficulties and the, what approaches might help. This you can share, you can, you can empathize with your students more, right? Oh, yes, definitely. I think it's, there's something to be said for at least putting in a modest effort because uh, at least for uh, a lot of Americans, most of us have not uh, put in near the amount of time studying any foreign language that the average Chinese has put into English, even if they uh, did so uh, reluctantly or uh, unwillingly. 
So it, it at least helps us identify uh, with uh, their struggles and with some students who, quite frankly, may not be very interested in learning English at all, and it helps us to uh, understand their perspective a little bit rather than just get frustrated with them. Yeah, maybe there's also another reason for learning some Chinese, uh, which is that by knowing by knowing that uh, uh, that you are making an effort to learn uh, their language, it makes uh, Chinese people feel that you are you are doing your part, um, not just being an arrogant foreigner, which. Uh, it seems to be a little uh, kind of uh, what's what would be the <laughs> word to describe? Maybe feel that these foreigners are a little too too good to learn the local language. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you don't want to go and help fulfill the stereotype of the ugly American who just goes abroad and thinks expects everyone to speak English and when they can't uh, shouts and speaks uh, uh, slow, slowly and then expects everyone to just magically understand English. Uh, it's, it's not going to help you and it's not going to make people like you and uh, quite frankly it's just I don't know how one can be a language teacher and then have such a negative attitude towards learning language uh, oneself. So definitely uh, the takeaway from this question is that at least you should make the attempt to learn some and make uh, local Chinese people know that, that you are making the efforts. Uh, but however much you can learn, you can use, it's a different topic, but at least uh, make the attempt. Okay, now I'd like to talk about another cultural aspect that plays a very significant role in uh, just about every country, and that is religion. So according to the CIA World Factbook uh, in China, Buddhists account for 18.2% of the total population. Christian, 5%. Muslim, 2%. Folk religion, 22%. Uh, unaffiliated, 52%. But bear in mind the total population when you think about these percentages. So over the past several years, I've come across a good number of foreign teachers here that came from a religious background and probably had an agenda to promote his or her religion. We'll cover more about this in uh, a later episode. For this episode, we mainly discuss what religious beliefs that Chinese people have might affect expats' lives and work here. So, August, would you consider yourself a religious person? Uh, no, I, I consider myself an atheist. So that probably makes you, you uh, a good candidate to live in China since uh, a lot of Chinese claim uh, to be atheists too, right? Yeah, I mean, certainly my experience compared to uh, a, uh, a religious person, a Christian, Muslim, or Jewish person, uh, who uh, considered belief and community 
uh, among believers uh, to be an important part of their life would be uh, the experiences that I had uh, were much different from them, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there are some Chinese that do claim to have or, or they do have some religious beliefs. So uh, have you ever felt uh, any religious beliefs of uh, Chinese people that you've been dealing with that uh, have affected your daily lives, for example, your immediate supervisors or students or neighbors? Not particularly. I mean, the, some of the uh, things that you might consider supernatural would be more or less what I would consider superstitions about uh, not, something being unlucky or certain cultural practices around festivals, but nothing along the lines of uh, what we consider um, religious beliefs in the uh, Judeo-Christian or, you know, Abrahamic religions. Uh, are you aware of any policies from the Chinese government regarding religious practices by foreigners? Uh, yes. Um, as far as I know, uh, the Chinese government strictly prohibits um, foreigners from promoting their religion uh, in China. But as far as uh, I know in practice, there's absolutely nothing done to um, prevent that. So there's been some instances in which I've known for a fact that the Chinese administrators in a given school knew that they were hiring missionaries and they knew what that meant and what the missionaries were trying to do but they just didn't care they just figured well they're they show up they go, do a good job they don't uh, do anything that else that the school didn't uh, approve of so they really didn't care very much yeah it, it's uh, kind of a uh, uh, unwritten or a generally known fact that a lot of schools actually <laughs> may prefer uh, foreign teachers with some with that that kind of religious agenda because those those uh, individuals tend to be more reliable. Yeah, as August say, they they show up on time, they do their duties, and uh, which sometimes can be a problem with some foreigners here that they. They, uh, a lot of times they're, they're not being completely responsible. So that's why in, in some senses these uh, individuals are preferred. Okay, I, I think to conclude this topic on the religion, it's probably reasonable to say that most Chinese people are not very religious. Um, even even though some people may claim to be Buddhists or Taoists, they're essentially just cultural Buddhists or Taoists, uh, as they're not really strictly following any religious rituals, and they're merely treating it as a guidance in their morality or worldviews. So now I'd like to move to another area that relates to culture in some ways, and that is uh, medicine. Um, 
The reason why I'm including this topic under the umbrella of cultures that I have not been convinced that Chinese medicine, or at least not all practices, have been scientifically proven to be effective. But many Chinese people use it、uh, on a very frequent basis. So to me, it's almost like a cultural practice、um, as opposed to a medicinal practice.、Um, so August. Um, do you often hear or see people using Chinese medicine? And as far as you know, what do they use it for?、Uh, yes, it's extremely common. It's、uh, practiced and used, I think, almost as much, if not as as much as uh, uh, just、um, the scientific、uh, or modern medicine. And it's used for just about everything. The the same standard things that、uh, so-called alternative medicine would be used for in the West, for like pain relief or、uh, just minor symptoms of this or that, or to go to the other spectrum. There's always some that、uh, are promising hope to the hopeless,、um, as far as、uh, some incurable.、Uh, Diseases or、uh, fatal terminal in- illnesses.、Uh, there's、uh, always someone who's willing to make promises,、uh, especially for lo- in exchange for a large sum of money. But、uh, they're used quite a bit, and it seems interesting that they the way a lot of Chinese medicine is prescribed here in hospitals is they it. You will get some typical medicine like pain relief relievers or something like that, some aspirin, but then you will also get some Chinese medicine as well prescribed along with uh, uh, the uh, regular medicine. And interestingly enough, the Chinese medicine is often many times more expensive than the uh, the Conventional medicine. Yeah, that that's、uh, very true. I think actually, if anything, Chinese medicine seems to be making a comeback in in the recent few years, and、uh, a lot of people、uh, go to Chinese medicine for just about any purposes, like August said.、Um, so I'd imagine you, <laughs> you never tried it, and probably would never try. Well, I, I'm someone who tends to follow the evidence, and if there was something proven,、uh, then I would use it just in the same way that um, um, any other treatment that's been researched and approved through the scientific method has、uh, been shown to be effective. So it's a, a very Highly debated topic.、Um, what, what would you do if,、uh, if let's say, your your supervisor or your close Chinese friend try to convince you to use Chinese medicine? Well, I would just、uh, try to change the subject. I know several people whose、uh, either parents or significant others、uh, practice Chinese medicine, and I just do my best to. Avoid the topic. There's just nothing good that's going to come of 
arguing about things like that. That's true. I think uh, if you would try to argue, that will only <laughs> make the conversation go <laughs> very sour. All right. This uh, concludes uh, this episode, which is uh, uh, the first part of uh, Chinese culture. And uh, I'll continue uh, with the interview in August uh, in the next episode to wrap up the Chinese cultural one. So if you have any questions, uh, please leave me a message on uh, anchor.fm, and I'd be glad to address to those. And thanks again for listening. I'll talk to you next time.